This podcast is part of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, the network for first responders and those who support them. Hey guys, welcome to the Hero Academy podcast, the place where you can celebrate and highlight our frontline heroes, people such as nurses, firemen, EMS, police officers, and military are all heroes without capes. I don't care about politics, only positivity and purpose. I only care about those that have chosen to serve our society. I believe in collaboration over competition. Here, you'll learn the secrets and strategies that let ordinary people become extraordinary inside of their purpose. Sometimes we'll throw in some simple side hustles that everyday regular people are doing, things that you could do to make some extra money, especially if you're starting to think about retirement and what's next. Inside this podcast each week, you'll learn from people like you that were working full time but still found the time to create a course grow a big team, create a coaching program, a large audience, or a profitable side hustle. The steps they took, their backstories, and how they overcame their burnout that they were facing. The perfect blend of mindset and techniques. Carpe diem. Now let's get your dream lit for your freedom. I'm your host and coach, Super Dave. Let's go. Recording. Hello, family, and welcome to this week's episode of the Hero Academy podcast. If you are a police officer, fireman, nurse, military, or any other kind of emergency rescue, you are in the right place, and this is the podcast for you. This week's episode, we have Walt McKinley, my brother from another mother, (laughs) who I met at the 10X Stages event, and he is just a phenomenal speaker. Walt, I don't spend a lot of time introducing people because I like to allow people to tell their own story. So yeah. if you could introduce yourself over the next minute, we're going to spend this whole episode <laughs> introducing your story because it's such an incredible, powerful story. But if you could just spend the next two minutes giving us the Reader's Digest version of who you are, I'd appreciate it very much. And you could take it away, brother. Perfect. I love it, Dave. Hey, thanks for having me on. And by the way, the premise of the Hero Podcast, I I love after spending 20 years in the military um, and now even serving and going and speaking to first responders, child welfare advocates and the things that I do, just to partner with somebody with the mindset that you have around it is a true blessing to me. So thank you for having me on um, and thank you for allowing me to help you make an impact to your audience and trusting me with that. So a little about me. So I I like to start with the good stuff, right? We're going to get into all the craziness, the chaos that happened. Um, So I I was, I'm married for 23 years now. I have two beautiful teenage daughters. Um, One just left for college this year and one's a sophomore in high school. Um, Such a blessing on my life. And then of course I had to buy a man, a male dog because I needed a little extra testosterone in the house. So um, we have a 120 pound golden retriever lab mix. That's a total lap dog. Um, And so, you know, it's wild when I think about where I came from, I was tortured by every adult that I knew in my childhood until I testified against my father at 16 years old. And there's a lot that happened in there that we'll get into today. But my story is not one of trauma. My story is one of triumph. And I love letting people know your history does not define your legacy. I started to become a statistic in my life and do all the things people talk about that come from an extraordinarily traumatic past. But I realized on my journey 
that I had control of where my life was going to go from that point moving forward. And where I started from didn't have to be where I finished. And I set out on this life to change the generational cycles and create a legacy that I can be proud of. And so I love this. As we go through this, I just want to say this at the beginning because I want people to have this mentality going in. I don't wear the warrior shirt because I was in the military for 20 years. Although, you know, I'm very proud of that. I wear the warrior shirt because although I was victimized in my childhood by every adult I came into contact with, I'm not a victim. I'm not a survivor. I'm a fighter. And I, if everybody who's listening to this that's still here, and all of us have had trauma in our life. If you're still here, I want you to know you're a warrior too. You're a fighter and the best is yet to come. So I'm ready to dig in and get into this bad boy. So let's go. All right. <laughs> let's put some little clap to that. Uh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Welcome to the Hero Academy podcast. Let's get into it, man. Tell me about your military career. What branch were you in? So I was in the Navy. And y'all Marines and stuff be holding them jokes because I know you got them. Um, no, I was, in the, um, I was in the Navy for 20 years. I spent 10 years enlisted. I went into the military to just start a brand new life where nobody knew me. Nobody would understand the things that I had gone through. I, I still lived in a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and lashed out quite a bit at other men in that point in my life. But I knew if I didn't make a choice to embrace the fear of the unknown, and for me, at that point, the only choice I really had to get out of my hometown was to go into the military. That was the only option really afforded me because we didn't come from money. I mean, I grew up part of my um, childhood on the street. And so I knew I had to do something. And so I chose to go into the Navy, spent 10 years enlisted, had incredible mentors while I was in. Dave, bro, I, this is a thing that I had to realize as I went in the military. Not everybody's out to get you as I healed from this pain. I knew that at some point I had to be able to take on mentors and those mentors would help me change my life. And those mentors would see things in me that I didn't even see in myself at that point. Mm. And so after a decade, I ended up becoming um, an intelligence officer. I spent 10 years in and then retired at 20. Um, it's it, it's a lot afforded me quite a few beautiful opportunities. It's given my family an amazing lifestyle. Um, and it, it's been such a blessing to serve my country in a huge way, just like every other veteran, every other you know, police and fire and nurses, those people in our communities that can continue to serve our communities in what most of the time is a super thankless job, especially when I think about the climate for police officers in the last few years. Thank you. Thank it's you. Just, thank you. Thank it you is for just serving. my honor to be here and share today with everybody out there still standing to watch. Thank you, thank you for serving. I, thank you. I, I greatly appreciate you doing it because when they uh, came knocking in, uh, when I was in high school, I said, no, thank you. I don't wanna be uh, anywhere where I can't get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a contract for a reason. <laughs> yeah, there's a contract. So I knew, um, I, whenever I tried to recruit people for the police department, people would say, oh no, that's not my thing. And I, and I would say, hey, you know, it's not like you can't, just leave at any point. Mm. I've known people that have left after 10 years and left yep. after five years because it wasn't right. It just wasn't right for them. So, and you know, more power to them for knowing that it, it just wasn't right to them. So after right. the military, uh, what'd you do when you got out? So I could have went government contracting. I, I worked in the field of human intelligence, so I could have been a very high grade government, con government contractor or government employee. 
But I just knew there was more, right? I wanted to go test my worth out in corporate America and see if the deliverables that I had, my attitude, my ability to build extraordinarily high-performing teams, would those things assimilate me well to corporate America? And then I knew the reward for the people that worked on my teams and, you know, by proxy myself would be there versus the government employment track for me personally that you just got to wait your time and you go up step by step, right? So for me, I just knew that I needed to try to do something different. And again, my entire life has put me in this position when I look at my life resume that every time I've chosen to embrace the fear of the unknown and like head straight into that dark tunnel, not knowing what kind of light was going to be on the other side, the lessons I've learned or the abundance I've gained or the success I've had has all been predicated on not playing it safe and doing those things that scare me the most and taking that leap when you don't know whether or not it's really the right one. And, mm. um, you know, so corporate America um, was a was a blast. I had five incredible years, um, worked for two companies in the five years, finished as an executive in a Fortune 300 company, um, had the number one ranked team in the company out of 70,000 employees after they wow. came from being the last team. And that wasn't wow. just me, right? Like, yeah, I'm yeah. just the coach. It's People a team. Gotta it's a team. Yep. And getting people to see the vision, getting them bought in, letting them know that they have a voice and they're seen and they're heard, and then creating an environment where people weren't afraid to make mistakes. The only thing I said, if you're going to spend some money, you've got to come talk to me first. But <laughs> if you're going to change a process, change it. Let's try it. Let's see if it works. Let's not stay stagnant. And um, just had a great run until April of 2021. Um, when I chose to leave corporate America and set out on this new adventure I'm on now. God bless you, man. So uh, what is the new adventure now? What Tell us what you do now. So I think it's important to say why I'm do, I, I went in this direction. So, I, you know, I'm in corporate America. I'm promoted four times in five years. I'm on the cusp of another promotion. I'm leading teams in the Philippines and India and four sites in the U.S. for a pay, uh, the global leader in payroll, ADP. And... When the PPP loans happened, I had the same staff, but we had four times the amount of work because who does all these small businesses call to get the loans? They call their payroll company to get all the paperwork. And there's three executives doing the job I vacated. One person left. They didn't rehire. There's a lot happening around there. So I'm in meetings. I'm not joking today. I'm in meetings 10, 12 hours a day minimum. So then as soon as I get off the meeting, my directors or my managers, they see that little green dot in WebEx <laughs> turn green, which means I'm not on a meeting and all these meetings are virtual and they're face to face. So you're available. And, and they're like, well, I need you to, can you help me? Can you help me? And I, of course I can. Like, it's my responsibility to help you. Yes. Let's jump on a call. And it would almost be like in a line, they'd be waiting to run things by me or tell me what they're doing or an, an employee issue or whatever it was. So here I am pouring everything I can from a leader perspective into my teams, trying to get them to understand, like running through the fires where the best teams are made. And I know this is a challenge, but we got to keep going. And I got this big captain resilience R on my chest and I'm suffering, right? I'm suffering mentally. I literally can't keep up with the workload and I got a pretty high bandwidth. So then I'm married and I got two kids at home. My wife's bringing me lunch into the office because we're working from home. I can't even tell her thank you. It would be more like, like look at her like that was my thank you to her off camera because I'm sitting on these executive calls all day. 
And, you know, I'll never forget my wife and I, I I'd started to get some heart issues and I, I was going to a cardiologist and trying to get them checked. And I suck at going to the um, doctor like most uh, people that probably listen to this podcast do. And so I'm making myself go. My wife's on me. And my wife asked me one day, she goes, it's like 530. She goes, what do you want for dinner? And I was like, you know what? I make decisions all day long. I don't know what I want. Just make some, whatever, whatever. Decision fatigue, yep. And she looks at me and she goes, this is why I love my wife so much. Thank God she's patient like an angel. You had to be to be with me for 26 years and married 23 of them. And she goes, are you okay? What's wrong with you? And I looked at her. And the quiet desperation I was feeling in this moment really crept in to like, like a here, you know, it just sits in your neck, you know, sits in your chest. And I start tearing up. I said, I'm not physically or emotionally tired anymore. I am tired in the depths of my soul of who I am as a human being. Like, I can't even begin to tell you how I really feel. But nobody knew, because again, I'm Captain Resilient. Right. That's what I do. I'm resilient from everything I've been through. I never stop. And I'm trying to give everything I can to my family. I'm trying to give everything I can to my job. And I'm giving nothing to myself. Mm. Nothing. And I had my first and last ever anxiety attack. And that's an important piece of the story when I talk about what led me to do what I'm doing now, because I know there's people out there suffering, wearing that Captain R on their chest that don't even know what they like to do for fun anymore, Dave. If you would have asked me, I'm like, I, I wish I like to go off-roading in my Jeep, but damn, when do I get to do that? I like to fish, but I ain't done it in the five years we've been in Arizona. Like, I wasn't doing anything that I enjoyed anymore. And so I'm showing up as half capacity for my wife, my children, the leaders I'm responsible for at work, even though I'm giving 100% of what I got left in the tank. And I went on disability for two months and it was a struggle. I felt like I was, I'm a military guy, team first. I felt like I was letting my team down. I felt like I wasn't showing up for everybody, but I, you know, in this moment, like I'm very spiritual. So I feel like God knew in order to get me to pay attention, to walk into my purpose and what I'm doing today, he had to literally bring me to my knees. Cause I'm trying to kick this door down. That's been deadbolted and locked when he's got the door open for me right down the hall the whole time. And so it was time to go back to work after two months and I'm barely getting my faculties back, really being able to be sharp and acute and poignant in the way that I think again. And my wife looks at me and she goes, I don't want you to go back to work. And I'll be honest with you. I needed that support from my wife because she doesn't work. She's always supported my career, which is why I've been so successful. And she goes, I don't want you to go back. If you die, I'm selling everything. All the things we have don't mean nothing. And she's like, I've been begging you to write your memoir for a decade. You wanted to speak professionally or as your profession since I met you 26 years ago. You've been speaking professionally in your career, but you wanted to do it as your profession and really impact humanity in the way that only you're going to be able to. Screw it. Let's just freaking go for it. We'll sell our house. We'll sell the book. And it seems so trivial, right? We'll sell these things that we've collected along the way and do whatever the hell we got to do to go walk in God's purpose on our life. And that day we made the decision. And what's wild is 
put my resignation in, right? I tell my, I tell my, my boss, I said, the original vice president, I said, I'm not coming back. I can't. Do you know, I, I still can't believe it to this day. This is how I know by trusting the provision was provided. When I left, they gave me a severance. Unbelievable. Now, there are some things that they filled roles where they shouldn't. There were some things happening in the background. They gave me a severance. They fully vested my 401k. They gave me the stock that, that I had earned, by the way. Yeah. You know, But they gave me all of these things because God knew I would need those things and that provision to continue to walk in this purpose and build this business with a solid foundation for it to last a lifetime. So I wrote my memoir, became a number one bestseller. Um, I've spoken on stages all over the world, um, both virtually and in person. I, we, you and I together, because you're such a phenomenal speaker too. Uh, we made it to the finals of the Great American Speak Off and went to Miami. And this is only the beginning, bro. I barely published nice. my book February 22nd of 2022. It sold Crazy. over 1,400 copies. You got a copy copies. of it? You got a copy of it on desk? I do. Hold, hold that back. Boom! Room. Monsters in My House by Walt McKinley. What's the subtitle? It's just a true story. Oh, so true this story. is okay. my view as a little boy looking up at my stepfather. He used to throw me and lock me in the basement. And if you look close, you see that little mask in there? Yeah. That was the mask he used to throw down into the basement with me that was superimposed in that concrete that I used to be terrified of as, at seven and eight years old. And, you know, that man who was hurting himself from his childhood trauma moved that generational cycle and put it onto me because he couldn't even control himself and he didn't have the courage to do the healing work he needed to do. And if I wanted to not replicate that and I wanted to eradicate it forever, I knew that I had to do all the things that I've done since then to put me in the position where I'm at now. We just watched a movie last night. I don't know if you're able to sit through it. The Black Phone. I watched it. You watched it. It's crazy. It is crazy. crazy. It is crazy. I'm not yeah. going to give away anything for anybody that hasn't seen Worth it. Worth the watch. But when you held up the cover of your book, I immediately thought, oh, my God, it's freaky because that that view is almost what the, the, what the boy saw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That same, that same view mm-hmm. of the guy stand, the stairwell, the, the basement, the concrete the basement, mask, the mask. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what's crazy though, Dave? I don't have an issue watching that stuff. And now my wife doesn't like scary movies, so we don't watch a lot of them. I think I actually watched that on a flight to New York to go do to speak to first responders and uh-huh. child welfare advocates in three counties in New York. And people have asked me this. They said, "Well, when you wrote your book." God, what kind of feelings did that bring up? How did you feel writing it? And I said, I had done so much healing work at that point. And I didn't write the book for me. I, I know my story. I didn't need to write the book. I wasn't even going to do it. My wife is the one who really compelled me to sit down and never having written a book before, write this 326-page memoir that's done so much good for people. I wanted the book to give people the, the inspiration and more importantly, the belief that they can do what I did. And that's why I wrote the book. And so... As I wrote the book, there's parts in there I thought, man, that is messed up. <laughs> Damn. You know, as I remembered parts of the stories and I remembered smells and sights and sounds and feelings and all these things as I put myself in those positions where I, where I was once at in my life. But I felt certified, man. I, I was like, you know what? I'm a damn badass for making it through this stuff. I feel good. And by the way, that's what healing does. Yes. It puts you in a position to be thankful and I'm thankful for all my experiences 
Because of those, I can live an extraordinarily happy life. But more importantly, I can go teach people how to do the same thing. And if I'm missing one of those experiences, just one, I would not be able to reach people the way that I did. God trusted me with the pain that I went through so that I could reach those people that feel unreachable, that feel like nobody would ever understand because of the depths of what they went through and to pull them out of that pit of despair, teach them how to get emotionally and mentally healthy so that they can fulfill their life's potential and that ripple effect could continue long after I'm gone. I love the work that you're doing. Well, I like Thank it, you. It's, it's just, I, I haven't gone through that much childhood trauma. I only yeah. had one incident of domestic violence that I witnessed myself mm-hmm. uh, that I had to call 911 for. And that's why police are heroes to me because they came and rescued my family yeah. when we needed them, right? They didn't ask, hey, what color is the family? They just came, showed up, love that. And, and they served us. And what, what were you speaking about in, uh, in New York to the first responder community? Yeah, so there was, and I, I love that you said they just showed up. They just protected and served just like they were supposed to. And, and I get so pissed when I watch the news and police especially are nah, vilified. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't vilified, worry about that right? stuff. <laughs> so, so I, I worry mean, about, it, you, you know what I focus on? I focus on inspiring people. Well, I don't, that, I, that's I, like the I try, I try and stay away from politics because politics brings you down a negative hole. Somebody, somebody's gonna, not going to like what you say. And I'm not worried about offending people. I'm more worried <laughs> about people not being able to hear me after the fact. You know? I totally agree. And, and that's why, by the way, I didn't even know this was going to be part of my audience. I spoke to a woman who runs a yearly conference in New York in three counties in New York for this purpose. She actually asked me to come be the keynote speaker to kick off their three-day conference. A lot of education um, for that genre. And she's like, I need somebody. She says warrior now, but she said survivor at first. She's like, I need somebody with this crazy survivor story that can come, like, just get everybody in the mindset to learn. I'm like, I'm your dude. Let's do it. I got you. And, um, <laughs> and so it's so cool. I'm standing in front of 300 people. And I told stories. I've lived so much life. I've got a story for everything I feel like at this point in my life. But there were times in my life, for instance, the night my father was arrested after he literally punched me in my face in front of um, five of my friends in the entire city block and a police officer coming. And I remember this guy being this mountain of a man and him kind of, you know, putting his hands on his legs and kneeling down. And he says, after they're arresting my dad and my dad's screaming from the cop car, you know, pig this and pig that. And he's like, you see what you did, boy? You happy boy? Are your friends worth it, boy? And so they're throwing him in the cop car. And um, the police officer goes, you know what, son? Nobody deserves to be treated like this. You don't deserve to be treated like this. You see your dad over there? He's a big, tough guy, right? Don't worry. I'll take care of him. He'll be, he'll be just fine. And that's the night I went with my aunt, which is a whole piece of my story. You go with your aunt and you find the happiness you deserve police officer a moment at this is at this point in my life it's 31 years ago it still resonates with me powerfully today the caseworker behind the scenes that was fighting for me to make sure i never went with my father that fought to make sure i didn't even go with my mother who i hadn't seen at that point for seven years of my life but who i went through horrific abuse when i lived with her making sure I didn't get put in the foster care system again, which for me, I had experienced intense abuse in foster care too. 
making sure that I went with the person who's going to love me the way that I needed to be loved. The first adult in my life that really championed me and loved me and like just got me used to even just being able to give a hug. Couldn't even hug the side hug with the tap and the uh, lean it away. That's how I hug people. Now we gave each other a hug at the thing. I, I embrace people now. I love people, but I love myself so I can give that. And then finally a judge as I'm testifying against my father in court and my father's literally verbally abusing me on the witness stand. The judge had warned him once and my father is verbally abusing me. And because I chose to run into the rest of my life, the night that I ran from my dad, you know, I, I didn't run from him, but I ran into the rest of my life. It gave me the power to speak my truth in a greater way that day in the courtroom. And I leaned forward on my chair and I said, you're lying. You've been lying my whole life. You've been beating me my whole life. And I'm like letting loose. And my dad looks at me and he goes, boy, let me. And the judge said, I, I have heard enough, Mr. McKinley. If you treat your son like that in my courtroom, I can only imagine what you must treat this boy like at home. We're done. And he looked at me and he said, son, you did amazing. You can go sit back down. I, I went and I stood next to my attorney and they found him guilty of felony child abuse. I always do this because it's like the gavel thing for me. Um, <laughs> and I found my first sense of hope and my first sense of freedom that I never had before that moment because, because I knew that I would never get hit again. And that police officer and that child welfare caseworker and that judge played such a pivotal role in protecting me when I couldn't protect myself. Those are the stories that I told to that group there to give them the power to know because of the work they're doing today, there's going to be a little boy or little girl right now, 30 years from now, that's good. 46, just like me. And they're going to be speaking life into a room just like that because of the courage that each one of them has to go do their job every single day. God bless those caseworkers that mm. go out on those calls. And I used to work with them when I was in special victims yeah. and they are, they are special people and they have a special place in my heart. Um, the protectors, you know, the, the people that protect children. <laughs> what would your next your, uh I could see your, your book becoming a movie, right? Oh, I think all you need is a good script writer, someone to turn it into a script because mm -hmm. books and scripts read a little differently. Right. But I could totally see, like, if, if we could find you a good script writer, I could totally see it becoming a really, really good movie. I, bro, I love it. So I've literally sent this to a couple people in Hollywood already because I think between the, I mean, the torture literally that I went through, overcoming it, military, success in corporate America, great marriage, great kids, all the things that happened because of those experiences and breaking the generational cycles. And then now breathing life into other people who maybe are struggling to feel power from their story. I look, it's my story, so I don't want to toot my own horn too much, but I feel like, damn, that would be a really good movie. So if there's I anybody say, that I'm knows a script writer, I'm saying that would be an amazing movie. I'm saying it like Let's just, go. The, the few times that I've heard p bits and pieces of the story, yeah. I haven't read the book yet, but it's 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 coming. It's it's on the way. Um, it. But the few times that I've heard p bits and pieces of the story, I'm just like, what an amazing, powerful story. And what do you tell those people who walk up to you and they tell you, but Walt, I don't have this big story? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. Because oh, it drives me bananas. You know what I get so much? 
not people saying, I don't have the story. They go, well, my story is not as bad as yours. And I'm like, ooh, okay, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk. We need to talk. Because I will tell you, don't add shame to something you're already struggling with. There's comparison in every facet of life is the thief of joy. Yes. From a success measurement, trauma measurement, it doesn't matter what it is. It's, it is the thief of joy. Yes. What I tell people is, whether you've gone through trauma for five minutes or 15 years like I did, your trauma is your trauma. You have to deal with the feelings and the emotions that you have. Nobody has your story. Nobody has your reach. You and I experience a little bit of different traumas, right? The power is in all of our stories together. Like how we remove the stigma of even talking about trauma yes. and mental health struggles and all these things that leave people suffering in quiet desperation. And I think a twitch who just took his own life. From the outside looking in, people would be like, this guy has everything, a family, a great job, money. He's like the personification of like this super happy dude. Yeah. Yep. But because he was suffering in quiet desperation with whatever he was suffering with, he chose to take his own life. Like that was greater, like the pain was greater than the belief he had that he could overcome whatever that was for him. I don't, I don't want to assume or speak on it. I don't know what it was. So I tell people, you got to deal with that trauma that you've been through. So if you're going to compare to me, the only thing I want you to compare is that I'm just a normal dude. There's nothing special about me other than the fact that I made the choice to not continue to victimize myself long after my abuse and trauma was over. I made the choice to say, I deserve more. I want to be happy. And I want the people I love the most in my life which my wife, my children, those people that are so important to me, I want them to get the best version of me. So now I'm going to go out and I'm going to stop running from my trauma. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to face that shit head on. I'm going to run it over and I'm going to start looking out the windshield of life instead of the rear view mirror. And I, and, and I, so I just want to implore people, I'm on this show. I wrote the book. I'm doing what I do for speaking to give you the absolute belief. This isn't motivation or inspiration. That crap goes away. For me, I'm not even dealing hope. I deal in belief. I want you to be able to hear my story and say, damn, if that guy can do that, you know what? So can I. Because he's just a normal dude like me. So I'm making the choice today when I listen to this show today to stop running from my past, stop running from the trauma that will never get tired. It will chase you to your last breath. Stop trying to hide from the trauma because it will find you every single time. Turn around, face it, knock it to the ground one more time and start looking out the windshield of life. It's the difference between sitting at a stoplight or sitting in massive traffic or sitting that stopped and, or being in the HOV lane and flying. How many people been in the HOV lane? You're, you're rolling. You're like shoo, flying right past people. Like, man, that really sucks to be them right now. That's what it feels like though, to go through the work that needs to happen to find true happiness on the other side of that journey. Cause I promise you that is what's waiting for you. I tell people very often there are, there are incredible speakers out there, right? And some of them will just never, like there's a guy I know, he's the funniest guy I know. 
and I keep trying to tell him like, "Hey, just do a little stand up." And he just won't <laughs> he won't he won't do it. And I'm like, "You would be phenomenal." He's like, "I don't know. I don't know, but there are people out there who are just incredible storytellers and they'll never step in front of a group of people and share their story." Right. There are people who could help other people with their story. And like I I look at my story, like I have a, a few things in my story. I have some 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 triumphs, some tragedy. Yeah. I have some some failure. I have some you know I have some incredible feats that I've done too. Um, but I'm just an average guy too, right? And there's people yeah. out there that are like way better than me, but they'll never put it out there. They'll never mm-hmm. put their story out there. They'll never make an offer to help people. And yeah. part of it is because they don't know how, and the other part of it is because of fear. Absolutely. Can you speak about fear a little bit? It's one of my favorite topics right there. I want people to think about this in terms of their own life resume. This is so important when I talk to people about fear. We all, every single moment of every single day, we're asking what if, okay? I don't care if you're going to go, I'm going to give you a funny example, speaking of stand-up. I'm going to give you funny. So last night I had to go to the bathroom, right? I had to go pee. It was like four o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, oh, if I just hold it, go back to sleep, I'll just be able to go back to sleep, right? (laughs) So I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, well, what if I get up, but I can't fall asleep? What if I, I'm asking what if questions in such a simple task, right? (laughs) Such a simple task. So eventually I get up and go, right? Because I'm like, okay, I'm 46. I need to go ahead and make it happen. So I get back to bed and I don't fall right back asleep, but I'm thinking about all these things and how I can impact more people and do these things. So I'm doing that as a funny story, but there's so many people that get stuck in the what if question. And there's two lanes in this road. There's one that goes to the left and there's one that goes to the right. And on the left side of this road, it's the way we're programmed to ask what if. Our parents' self-limiting beliefs, our parents' self-doubt, their lack of self-confidence, their life struggles that they went through, that they put on us, even unknowingly most of the time. There's our own traumatic experiences. There's our Mm -hmm. own times that we said we failed, which there's no failure in life. There's always a lesson to learn and get better. I don't even use the word failure. Um, And and there's fear of self-judgment, and there's fear of failure, and there's fear of all these things. And so, so many people in our, our life are asking, what if? What if I, what if I try for that job and I don't get it? What if I, what if I work on this relationship with this person and they break my heart? What if I work on this trauma and it unlocks parts of me that I didn't even know I had hidden from? What if I tell everybody I'm going to be on this TV show and then I don't make the top three? Mm, mm. What if I don't even, what if I never even tried out for the show, the experiences that I would have missed out on, the people that I would not have connected with? Mm-hmm. You know, I was that close to not doing it because I was flying out the next day mm-hmm. and, uh, and it was going to be a two day thing. So yeah. I worked it out. I worked it out with them. I was like, hey, I'm going to have to do the second day virtual and they allowed me to do the second day virtual. But uh, and I told my buddy who I was staying with that I'm like, ah, I'm flying out the next day. I'm like, I, I don't think this competition is for me. And he's like, you have to do this. Yes. <laughs> he's like, you yes. have. So I have to I have to I have to say I'm very grateful for for my buddy for telling me to do it, pushing me to do it. And and then me making it as far as as far as we did. You know, it's like so yes. many people, they made it to the semifinal they they made it through to the quarterfinals and then they didn't show up to Miami. It's That's like, wild, right? 
is that's that's wild to me. It's yeah. like how do you not show up for one of the biggest opportunities of your life? And I think I think it has to do with a little bit of fear. Yes. And and then you know people make excuses like oh this came up or that came up, but I I don't know if all excuses are equal. I've heard that quote before. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily true because there are some things that like are completely out of your control. You get hit by a car, health, or... somebody in your family. There's a <laughs> yeah. lot of things. Okay, yeah. 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 But yeah, that's was how fractionable is that yes. percentage? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. What are you working on now? Like, what's the next project? What's coming up? So, well, hold on. Let me. I, I got to finish this last thing. I'm. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'll go to it. Okay. So, what happens is people ask the "what if" in the negative connotation, right? They don't take action. They don't get results, so they don't believe that they can do what they set out to do. They forget about all the times that they did. Yes. They don't believe it. What happens is when you get in that cycle, you end up stuck. You end up living life with quiet desperation. You end up not showing up to Miami like some of those people did, which is going to keep you in regret Yes. and a fraction of your life potential. What I want to challenge people to do is sit up in your chair, sit up, stand up, puff your chest out, and think to yourself, what if... I go to Miami and I get top three. What if I love this person who's trying to love me and they become my life partner like my wife for 23 years? What if I leave corporate America and I go out to speak this truth into this world and pour this belief and it becomes life-changing not only for me, but the people who need my story or they need Dave's story or they need somebody who's listening to this story. What if we change lives together? Because I had the courage to embrace the fear of the unknown and go all in. What happens is you'll take action, you'll get results, you'll gain belief. You take more action, results, belief. And it's like, boom, you get in this amazing cycle. And it's like adding rocket fuel to your life. So for those people out there listening, take the same two words. What if? What if? And I want you to stop your programming and go into the negative what if. I want you to puff your chest out, lift your chin up. Think about all the possibilities, and then I want you to go chase them down. Uh, that was powerful. So uh, I had to get to that part. Uh, so what am I doing next? So what? Oh, yeah, what's next? I love, okay, so I love asking what's next. Uh, so I have so many ideas all the time. So I'm like, okay, well, coming into this year, last the year, immediate, was about your the immediate. Memoir. Let's talk about Legacy. let's talk about February. Let's talk yes, about February seventh. February uh, my wife and I, and I'm so proud of her for this because it's outside of her. You want to talk about embracing the fear of the unknown and getting outside your comfort zone. We are launching the Legacy Warrior podcast where we're going to feature real people with real stories and real triumph. Because here's the deal, Dave, this journey that I'm on, this life journey to help change humanity and break generational cycles. It's not just going to happen with me. It's not just going to happen with you. It's, it's not just going to happen with my wife. It's literally going to happen because all of us are brave enough and courageous enough to tell our stories yes. for the person who needs to hear it and change our own lives. We're going to create a community, right? The community, not focused on self-service to each other, a community focused on a movement to change humanity. Legacy Warriors gives us the greatest opportunity to reach the most people at once. Yes. And so I cannot to wait to breathe inspiration and power and belief into our world. And no matter whose story is being told, somebody out there is going to hear it and think, well, it's cool and stuff. But Dave, you <laughs> spoke to my soul when you were talking right now. Now I know I can do it too. 
I wanna, that's the power I wanna it share, I want to share how much we're on the same wavelength and like how similar our stories are, even though we're different, you know, different mothers, but you're my brother from another mother. Oh, but yeah, I'm going to share with you how similar our stories are. What you said in the beginning about the warrior shirt, I'll, I'll give you a chance to say it again. <laughs> but you don't wear that shirt because uh, say, say it again. And I'm going to tell you what I say about my name. OK, so I say I don't wear this shirt because I was in the military. That's a lot of assumption people have. I wear uh-huh. this shirt because I'm not a victim. I'm not a survivor. I am a fighter and I am a warrior from the things that I've been through. And I want people to know if you're listening to this, kid you not. And you've forgotten just how much of a fighter you really are. And you've forgotten just how unbreakable your spirit really is. I want you to start channeling that warrior power. And I want you to stop using victim, stop using survivor, start using warrior and stand in the power of who you really are and, and how your story is going to help other people, bro. You know, I get fired up, bro. That's so powerful. (laughs) I get fired up just listening. So listen, part of my two minute talk, which you never got a chance to hear because we were in separate rooms. Yeah. But part of my two minute talk is I don't go by super Dave because I wear an S on my chest or because Mm -hmm. I used to wear a bulletproof vest. I go by Super Dave because I know the power of my story. That's my superpower. And I know the power of your story as well. And if you use that story, you could help someone else. And that's why I go by Super Dave. And that's part of my talk. And when I heard you say that, I was like, oh, my God, that's so good. And I know that you've never heard my talk. (laughs) Well, that You know you get brought together with people who were in the same energy, like we have the same energy, our mindsets going the same way. We are about living triumphant and teaching people how to do the same thing because we know we've both been in the pit of despair. We've both been in all those emotions. We've both been in all that struggle, but we know what's happened when you run towards the light and the rest of your life. And that's why we do what we do. And that's why we're kindred spirits. That's why you're my brother from another mother for sure. And I want to, I want to tell you this last thing. The fourth thing I teach people in the four keys to living an extraordinary life is exposing their superpowers, the gifts that their trauma gave them as they heal from what's happened for them, not to them as they heal what's happened. You will unlock compassion and grit and empathy and initiative and hard work and all these beautiful strengths that you receive from the, your experiences. It is like giving yourself superpowers. So when you were like super Dave, I was like, Oh no, we need to talk, bro. Cause, cause <laughs> I already know how my mind thinks about that. And, and we do. And then, and then that's how you utilize your story. Right. I think it's fantastic. It's so grand. And we need more of us out here doing the same. How can, uh, how can people find you? What's the best, what's the best way? What's the best platform? Easiest way right now is just go to my website. It's just www.waltmckinley.com. You can get on all my socials and you can do everything else from there. That's like a one-stop shop. And I want to offer everybody who goes on there the four keys to living an extraordinary life. How to use your past as rocket fuel for your future. It's a free PDF with a question for each element that I personally use to heal from my trauma and live this victorious life. And that I want to give to other people so they can learn how to do the same. And so it's going to give you just a little bit of that. And then again, it's in the last chapter of my book. Um, I put the same thing for people. So when they finish it and they think, damn, I can do what he did. They can turn the page and say, this is how he did it. Let me start executing on that. Really, really great giveaway. Uh, Put some uh, cheering on for that. (laughs) 
<laughs> I want to uh, I want to thank you. I'm so incredibly grateful for you coming on. I got five rapid fire questions for you. Dude, um, like every time I message you, I tell you I appreciate you because it's the truth and it really comes from my heart. But now I'm telling you on yeah. camera and to the thank to you, the world and to the public. I love to give people their roses while they're still alive and. Yeah. You know, in person, in public, praise in public, right? Chastise in private. That's have mm -hmm. you ever heard that before in leadership? Oh yeah. It oh, works in leadership sure. and it works in families also. Yeah. Praise in public, chastise in private. Right. But I just want to give you a praise in public. Uh, the book is the stories are so incredibly impactful. Yeah. And and I, as you were talking about that giveaway, I was like, I think I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna go <laughs> on to waltmckinley.com and I'm gonna get that myself because I want to check that out. That's Let's go. that's pretty awesome. So anyway, my. I'm going to respect your time. I'm so incredibly grateful for you coming on. But my last, my last five for you, okay? All right. What's Consider. your definition of a hero? Definition of a hero is anybody who has the courage to look beyond themselves in the service of others. Mm, I love it. That's how I define them too. When stress is at its highest and you're starting to feel low, um, how do you save yourself? You mentioned it before. How do you show yourself love? I do something I enjoy. I go off-roading. I really watch what you talked about news earlier. Content is king. Listen to podcasts. Listen to things that uplift you. Make sure your social media is in that vein. Go for walks. Get outside. There's a lot of tools that you can use to lift yourself out of that moment, but have the self-awareness to know you're falling into that before you get so far down in that pit of despair, you struggle to get your behind back out. Catch it. That's powerful. And go do something different. That's powerful. Um, I've, I've had moments... It's usually like once a year where I'm just like bummed out and I'm like, man, I feel down, you know, like, mm -hmm. and I, and I, and I feel it coming on. So the powerful thing that you said was being aware of yeah. it, being self-aware that you're going into a little bit of a pit. Uh, would you ever consider offering coaching down the line or do you already offer coaching right now? Are you a life coach? I'm not. And so, not. um, wow, potentially down the line, I have to really give that some thought. I've coached a couple of people. It's worked out really well, but. I feel very much called to use my voice to go speak to large audiences. And so that's okay. really where my focus is at. Although I will create a curriculum, not a course, but a curriculum um, that I'm going to be giving or not giving. I should say that I'm going to be licensing offering, to addiction offering. centers and prisons and some other things so that I can reach people in the masses. And then it'll be in, for individuals, too. That's yeah, coming. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with packaging your, your, your service in a way that helps people and, and you get paid yeah. for it also. What's your greatest uh, strength, your greatest ability? What is your, your personal power today? You know what's what? I'm going to say something different than I would normally say based upon the feedback I've gotten over the last 18 months. And that's to make people feel seen, make people feel heard. And make people feel like they're in a safe space in my presence. Uh, you know, when my girl, she hopped on with you, she's yeah. like, I, re I really like that guy. She's like, I connected with him immediately. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, so, that. so I definitely see that. I yeah. see how you're able to connect with people's hearts super, super quickly. Like uh, one of my strengths as an investigator is building rapport with people fast. Yeah. So, like, I, I've interviewed a lot of witnesses, a lot of children I've interviewed, mm -hmm. and a lot of bad guys, all, all types of crimes, you know. Yeah. And, I, I, and 
and the common thread is building rapport. And that's something that mm -hmm. you're able to do uh, very, very well naturally. So yes, Thank that you, is brother. definitely your ability and definitely your strength. And my last question for you is if you had, this is for fun, if you had a comic superpower, like an imaginary superpower, what would it be and why? A comic superpower? Yeah. Well, I think comedy is always to make people laugh. No, no, not comic, not not comedy, like a comic book. Oh, 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 a comic yeah, book. Okay. If you had a comic I book, said. I got to change that question to a comic Ooh. book, a comic book superpower. So, like now, you are a superhero. What is your what is your power? So, one thing I always loved about Superman is he could sense when somebody was in trouble and go save them. For me, my life's purpose, bro, the thing that's brought me more happiness than I, I didn't even know I missed out on some of this happiness that I feel today is truly being in service and helping people maximize their potential and helping people feel protected. If there's one thing that I would want, it's not to run fast, it's not to fly, it's to help people feel protected and then give them their power to go on and do what they're great at. Thank you very much, man. Thank you so much for coming uh, let's on. Let's go, brother. Appreciate you. One one more clap for the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I just got my so roadcaster. Much. I'm going to have to put the claps in there now. <laughs> if you use, so I don't have an affiliate link for Riverside, but if you use Riverside, they have all of that in there already, and uh, it's a really I incredible studio. Thank you. It. Thank you so, so much. I appreciate you so much, man. I tell you all the time how much yeah. I appreciate you. And connecting with you was like it was meant to be. And yeah. and uh, we'll continue talking afterwards. Don't hang up. I'm just going to stop the recording. All right. All right. All right, family. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Everyone I interview, I've chosen for you guys because of their story. And I hope that you get some value every single time. If you did get value or just just simply enjoyed the episode, please share the episode with someone that you know. If you know of a guest, a frontline hero that has an amazing story, something uplifting or a positive message, hit me up in the contact form of www.davidleith.com or DM me at Instagram at davidleith1. Subscribe to the show because I have some really phenomenal guests coming up in the next few weeks that you definitely don't want to miss. All right, one.